Big D in the kids' table. Two week notice podcast. Let's fucking do this. Yes. Yo, 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 yo. What up, everyone? You are listening to the two week notice podcast. Come on. My name is Dana B. I am your host. Thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate it. Today is technically Saturday, May 14th, and it is 2.03 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Okay. I, I tell you this because I just closed up the bar where I work. Okay. Now, I do have a bartending story for you. It's been a while since I've told a bartending story. And I I need to vent, people. I got to get this out. Now, listen, before I get into that, we do have David McWayne on the podcast. I love this man. David McWayne is the front man for Big D and the Kids Table. Big D and the Kids Table is fucking legendary. And this guy, he is Big D. This guy, facts. All the music that you are hearing on this podcast is Big D in the kids' table. Here's the deal, people. Quick bartending story. Fast forward if, if you don't want to hear it. I don't know what to fucking tell you, but I got to get this out. All right. So I'm eating fucking McDonald's right now at 2 in the morning. Don't judge me. The One of the cooks came out. He's like, did you eat today? And I was like, no. Like, I, didn't even know my, I don't even know my own fucking name right now, brother. <laughs> It was just one of those days, you know, and then uh, I was driving to McDonald's, right? And this cop started following me for a couple, like at least a mile, maybe a little more. And you know those moments when a cop's following you and you know you're fucking good. Like, I'm like, yo, I'm sober. I mean, I had a shift drink, but whatever. It's fine. I got no weed on me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm fucking pull me over, bitch. Pull me over. Come on. We'll chat because you got nothing on me. It was like one of those. But it was just like at the same time, it's like, stop fucking fall. This dude ran a red light because like I went through a yellow light, you know, before it turned red. Legally went through a yellow light and he ran a red light to keep following me. I was like, fuck him. But uh, he did not end up pulling me over. But uh, I also, as I'm like getting all cocky, I'm like, bitch, you got nothing on me. Go ahead and pull me over. I feel, my windshield is cracked. <laughs> this just happened. I played softball recently. As I was taking the, the bat and the equipment out of the car, the end of the bat, I'm telling you, just barely tapped the windshield. Just like, tink. Just fucking barely, dude. And it just, like, I got a pretty, I don't know. It's not like a spider web style crack, but like, it's a significant, I need to get my windshield replaced. So I totally could get pulled over for that. So I don't know. Whatever. It sounds like a me problem. I'll figure that out. Back to the bar. You ever walk into work and just like look at everyone's faces? Oh, it's been one of those days, huh? (laughs) Everyone, everyone's just stressed the fuck out, like just burnt out, exhausted. It was just one of those days. And uh, so I knew it as soon as I walked in the fucking building. I could feel it. And I'm telling you, I mean, I I just hit the ground running. 
uh, one of the servers that I work with, she broke the record for most uh, or highest sales for a server on one shift. You know what I mean? So that's how fucking busy it was. And I was, you know, obviously like making her drown the bartender. So I make all the drinks for all the servers and stuff. And I, I also have seven tables myself. If you count the two tops at the bar, dude, I just had this one fucking table, man. You know, it's one of those things where, um, and this is at the risk of sounding like a, an arrogant douchebag, but um, I don't know. I know I'm good at my fucking job when I'm in the zone. Like I know I crushed it. But I had this one fucking table, man. These fucking kids. Three kids come in. I go over. I card them. Because they look very young. Sure enough, they're all born, you know, 1999, 2000. Which is fine. I, I don't, I'm not trying to discriminate here against people who are just barely of drinking age. But at the same time, you got to be cautious of that. And they start ordering double Double Jack and two of them get a double Jack and Coke each. And then they drank them quick and then both ordered another double Jack and Coke each. And they were kind of weird. Like they were cool at first, but we don't even normally do doubles. I was just so fucking busy. I didn't have time to talk about it. I was like, whatever, I'll just do it and just serve them slower. So there's three of them, like I said, and they go, oh, we got a fourth coming. I go, okay, cool. The fourth one walks in the door. And I saw him slide in, and I was like, oh, shit, I got to get over there and get to that guy. But I was so backed up with my service drinks for the for the waitresses. I mean, I, I had a fucking – I had a bunch of slips, dude. I had I was slammed. So one of the servers, she was waiting for the drinks that I was making. And I said, yo, can you do me a huge favor? I love this girl. She's so awesome. She's so helpful. I just said, hey – while I'm making your drinks, this dude um, came in and joined that table. I just am so backed up. I haven't had a chance to go greet him and say hello and see what he wants to drink. I go, Can you just go over there and, and just get his drink order while I bang out your drinks? She was like, of course. She goes over there. She comes back and she goes, yo, that dude is fucked up. I was like, what do you mean? She's like, he's slurring his speech. He like can't even look me in the eyes. Um, but he wants a Corona. And I was like, mm. and I was like, all right, all right. You know, I'm not going to give him a Corona. Thank you for, for greeting him. I'll go over there in a few minutes. I finish her drinks. I go over there. I, I was like, what's up, buddy? How you doing? Uh, sorry for the wait. You know, a little backed up right now. Can I get you something to drink? And this dude was fucked up. Dude, he was, he couldn't even talk. He was slurring his speech so bad. He couldn't. Again, his eyes are rolling in the back of his head. He was on something, dude. He was on something. I go, um, all right, man, uh, can can you show me your ID? I got to check your ID. Now, this made it easier. He goes, well, the other girl asked me for my ID already. And I was like, all right, so did you give it to her? He goes, no, nah, I don't have it. I was like, all right, yeah, sorry, I can't serve you. So that I would rather have that conversation than say, yo, you're really fucked up right now. <laughs> and I can't serve you. So that made it easier, right? I go, sorry, man, if you don't have your ID, I, I can't give you a drink. And I go, I can give you like a water or something. He goes, I drink enough water, bro. And I was like, all right, fuck this guy. I'm busy. Fuck off. I go back around. Go back to all my other duties, if you will, right? Now, 
in this moment, again, I'm completely full at my bar and my table. So that's seven different transactions plus all the other drinks. And I made a conscious decision to put this table of these kids on the back burner. Because one, they're drinking double Jacks and Co Jack and Cokes really quick. One of them's definitely way too fucked up. And I'm not even comfortable with him being in the bar because it's a liability. So I'm like, basically like, all right, fuck that table for now. They can wait. They got their food. They got their drinks. And fuck them. They don't need more booze right now at all. Now, all the meanwhile, again, this is one of those shifts where I know I was in the zone and I was fucking slammed. People are breaking records with, with sales. They got so like mad at me that they they asked to see the owner. They go, is the owner here? I want to talk to him. They asked like some, one of the servers as she was walking by. Oops, sorry about the noise. As she was walking by, they were like, where's the owner? We want to talk to him. And then the server came to me and was like, they want to talk to the owner. And I was like, oh, here we go. Like, I know what this is going to be. And now the owner had just showed up like maybe 10 minutes before. Like he, he did a little pop in. And I'm like, of course, you know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm kicking ass, making all these other people happy. At one fucking table, these fucking assholes, they want to talk to the owner. Fuck them. But so the owner comes out and like, he's cool. He treats me really good. And he came to me first. He's like, do you know why these guys might want to talk to me? And I was like, I was like, I think that they're not happy with me right now because I I explained everything I just explained to you on the podcast right now. And he was like, okay. And then he went over there and he came back. He's like, yeah, they're just not happy. Like whatever. And clearly they're fucked up. Like he was on my side. He had my back, but in my head, I'm like, those mother, like the one, of course, the one fucking table out of all these people I served all week that, I, you know, if I served a hundred people this week, 99 of them left, left happy. I would say, you know what I mean? And this one, these whatever, whatever. So I'm trying, like, it's, it's hard to not focus on that one. And of course they tip me $0 on like a hundred something dollar tab. I knew that was going to happen. I don't even care because I know I made the right decision. And I, I was, I made the responsible bartender decision. Like that's more important than, than a tip. You know what I'm saying? So I guess I was just trying to like focus. And actually there was another table that overheard. They saw the whole thing and they over, they tipped me extra to compensate for that. So that's a beautiful thing. Most people are great. Anyway, how long have I been talking? Sorry, guys. I had to get this out. I wasn't even going to record tonight at all. Like, But I, I'm just like, I'm like fired up right now, dude. Fuck them. Fucking douchebags. I hope they don't come back. I hope I made them unhappy to the point where they never fucking come back. Cause fuck you, fucking douchebags, double jack and coke, fucking eh, whatever. Today, we don't have Canvino. I need a beer, but you should check out Canvino. Canvino is bottled quality wine in a can, and they proudly sponsor this podcast. www.drinkcanvino.com. Check that shit out. What else do we got? Hold on. My chicken nuggets are getting cold. <laughs> Come on! Two week nose podcast. David McWayne, you are a legend. Thank you so much. And regardless of whether or not you're a fan of Big D and the Kids Table, 
doesn't matter. This was a deep philosophical chat, man. What a really, really smart, genuine. He's just like a sweet dude. Like he's just like a really nice, um, thoughtful guy. So great chat, David. Respect. I love you all. Two those podcasts. Last night, which is ticking me right off Cause I had that cap, so it's real, real small Then find out just right now that my main squeeze went through my phone Ooh, so I guess I'm single now Imagine that So I sneak right on the tee, the conductor sees me He's kicking me right off with a frown I grab my bag and I walk on Call if I hit up Blanchard's, they sell cheap wine I got six bucks back Wine, smash, drink it up, avoid the glass But I can't stop from just smiling When that damn sun is shining on Hell, it's just shining Okay, today we have the legendary David McWayne of Big D and the Kids Table. What's up, dude? Not much. Just uh, just enjoying the, the end of the winter blues and going into the spring and just psyched it's warming up. I always go into... February and March going, all right, this is the winter blues time, right? And I never really think I, I get it, but then it turns warm and you're like, oh, yeah, this is way better. <laughs> so true. You hit the nail on the head. Yeah. So you don't yeah. even realize I, what's going on. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I used to, I used to like get like bummed out in the winter. And yeah. then in my early 20s, I started snowboarding. I, yes. So for a while, like, you know, since then, I should say I've been like almost I almost prefer the winter. Yeah. But then like and I get sad when the ski season ends. Right. And when it starts to get real nice out, like like we're in early May right now. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. like what you were just saying. like, Oh, yeah, this is this is way better. Yeah. I was just talking to Matt Appleton, who plays sax and real big fish and produces and stuff. And he said the exact same thing. He said, you have to go skiing or snowboarding if, if that's your if your thing in the winter because it makes winter way more fun at a time when everything's getting like it's dark by four so you're a boston guy yeah well, i spent most of my productive years like 20s and 30s in boston awesome so maybe talk about like growing up what town you, you're from stuff like that and eventually like any early influences like we were just talking about wrestling or, or sure. you know sports and how you got into music and and maybe earlier bands before big d and stuff Sure. Um, I'm from Hamilton, Massachusetts, which is near Beverly and Salem, Massachusetts. And I spent uh, my time going to school in Salem, you know, for your listeners who don't know where all the witches were you know, <laughs> done in. So I used to take a train um, to Salem to go to school. Uh, but I also went to school in Hamilton. Um, and I think like the, the way I got into music was like nothing was sticking, meaning like, let's try the boy. Uh, do basketball or you know baseball nothing I never really just enjoyed anything you know like I wasn't I wasn't a down kid but I was just like do I have to play baseball again I was like <laughs> I, my problem was my problem was I I really did not care if we won and I always seemed to kind of not always but a lot of the time be on the winning team and I was just like I don't I don't care that we won <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. And, and what I didn't like about sports is when the season was over, 
it, it just all it just disappeared you know it's all it but what i like about music is when your efforts are over you have music you have something you know what i mean so i think i'm a product person like build a house paint a wall you know what i mean so sports weren't wasn't wasn't doing it for me and so my dad like had a friend that was getting rid of like a one of those funny clumsy drum sets for like a hundred bucks and i came home and he's like want to try this out and and i was like sure and then my friends uh we're like, well, I have a guitar. You could be the drummer, and this is Iron Maiden. And then so I was like, whoa, Iron Maiden is pretty awesome. And I guess I'm the drummer. And so I got into music through heavy metal and and uh, you know the classic early Metallica, early well, I guess mid Iron Maiden um, and stuff like that. But then that led to um, a perfect bridge into Boston hardcore and New York hardcore. Um, and so then suddenly I'm listening to, you know, Slapshot, Snapcase, Sam Black Church, Only Living Witness, um, healthy, healthy, healthy dose of Boston hardcore, uh, for quite a long time. And then as things happen, you know, your friends have other records like the specials and Operation Ivy. And then they showed me Operation Ivy. I kind of had like, you know, you know, I was, you know, like some people are like shepherds and they shepherd people to music and other people are like, I don't know, you know, I guess the sheep. I was right. more of a sheep at this point. So my friends would be like, listen to this, you'll like it. And I was like, I do like it. And so then I got Operation Ivy. And so it was mostly heavy metal, hardcore, the Beastie Boys. That's what Rad. got Yeah. Cool, man. That's a great intro. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, Rap. you mentioned Salem. I mean, I'm a, I'm a North Shore guy. I was born and raised in Lynn, which is right next to Salem. Right. That's where my mom's from. Yeah. It's a small <laughs> world, dude. Yeah. Uh, and actually, I have a condo in Salem still. I rent it out now. But yeah. like Salem, I, you know, I know I'm biased because I'm from there. Mm-hmm. And but I've been to, you know, all these countries, been to Europe and stuff. Salem's yeah. still maybe my favorite city that I've ever. It, there's no place like it. I know. And, you know, now that Boston rents just unattainable, I call Salem the new Cambridge. That, that, that's exactly what I've been saying. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's the, true. And even Beverly now, because Beverly's getting that overflow from Salem because Salem's becoming more expensive, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I can't believe how many people go to Salem now compared to when I was a little kid. Like, or or even the showcasing of the witches. There wasn't really showcasing of the witches back in the day. Because they're ashamed of it. Like, yeah, by exactly. history. Like, that's like a really dark time in history, yeah. dude. And a lot of the, like, graves are just, just small and tucked away. They're not... Mm-hmm here come one come all <laughs> yeah yeah they i think they tried to hide that that history for years and now they kind of embrace it and that's how uh, i always that's how i always thought yeah yeah it's interesting interesting stuff um it's cool yeah i mean it's it's probably the biggest city on the north shore hundred thousand people you know it's, yeah it's very diverse you know um so i'm i'm grateful for have just growing up and just, i don't know everyone's just real you know yeah, yeah you know what i mean it's great yeah. but i went to summer camp in like boxford and it was just all white kids and oh yeah and i just remember like you know i i think that was when i like just realized uh, i guess i'm privileged too in a way right but it's like, so hard uh, to take the i know I, sorry go ahead i think i know where you're yeah, getting at yeah just like all these rich kids you know we just we had like i was there on scholarship because right. my dad was getting laid off and stuff you know i mean we didn't grow up rich yeah. but but you know, uh, all the other kids were from like North Andover and like these rich yeah. towns and great people. Some of my best friends till this day, but 
um, I was just like, wow, that's kind of weird. Bro. Like, I don't know. I felt like they were kind of sheltered in a way. Just, you yeah. know what I mean? I think there's a huge difference between Lynn and Boxford. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Boxford is Boxford. I, the thing I know most about Boxford is uh, I had to wash and wax all their patrol cars as a punishment once. Yeah. So. There are two patrol cars. Oh, that's true. But, but at least I can say, I think there was more than that. But I'm just childhood kidding. memory. Remember my childhood memory was just like, there's too many. But uh, yeah, I just, whenever I think of Boxford, I think of one pretty posh girl in my high, high school in the, the squad cars. Where'd you go to high school? Uh, Hamilton. In Ham- Hamilton High School or yeah. Hamilton Wenham? So what Hamilton is- Wenham, yeah. yeah. So it's like, it's interesting how we start to do, because it's interesting how you said I guess I'm privileged too, because it's it's at this point with where society is at, it's like you can't really say much without someone saying you shouldn't say it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it's like if you're like, well, I wasn't a boxer kid, I was a this kid, and we didn't have what they had. They, someone would be like, yeah, but you still lived there, and you you wouldn't, you know, you didn't live here and you're like yeah but you have two arms some people don't have two arms yeah all right but you're not blind all right all right well well, how are we gauging these things anymore and i think it's totally reasonable to a lot of people don't realize about how much the middle class has has been destroyed like there is a huge difference between a boxford family that lives in a mansion and has you know summer homes maybe boats you know i mean their kids aren't going to ever have to pay rent. They're probably doing those pay to go to college things happening. And someone whose family saves every nickel, collects mm-hmm. every coupon. But, but this is the thing that I'm noticing. <laughs> that's that's they, my mom. <laughs> right, right. But, but what, what trips people up sometimes is, you know, sometimes certain middle class people, like they work really hard to make sure their house is painted and they make real sure that like, they're, you know, like they might have a, some good clothes to go to funerals and weddings. Um, what I'm saying is, so you look at the house and you're like, oh, that's a really posh house. And it's like, no, no, no. <laughs> work their asses off for over 30 years for it to look this good. <laughs> yeah, man. So totally. it's hard to gauge. And it, no, everyone's just gonna, everyone's just gonna say you're wrong. If, you know what I mean? If you're ever kind of like, well, I'm not from there, I'm from here. Be like, yeah, it's but, true. Yeah, it's yeah. perspective, you know, but yeah, I am grateful to have, I'm lucky, you know, I didn't grow up poor, like I said, but like, like to your point, um, the house I grew up in Lynn, it was, it was in the worst neighborhood in Lynn. And uh, my parents bought the house. My dad always had two or three jobs. My mom was always mm-hmm. basically two jobs. Cause she, after work, she'd come home, cook, clean, you yeah. know, do laundry, all that stuff. But throughout those years of this house I grew up in, I lived there for the first 18 years of my life. The entire, my dad was never not, remodeling a room or he, he built an entire addition on the house over, yeah. over you know what i mean so like to this day my dad and i still yeah like you said like you know it's uh it was sweat equity i guess yeah, yeah. I, oh, yeah. oh never heard that is that a normal is that a known term it's like a real estate term i believe Ooh, wow that's i like that but you know dave Chappelle said it really well recently on one of his He's the best. Like, i did well enough to grow up poor in a good na- in a good neighborhood i like that you know what i mean and it and it makes you go i know what you're saying yeah you know what i mean like um so absolutely you know absolutely but uh but i didn't grow up poor i'm saying that was he he said we were just we just never spent money it was it was you know you just saved all your money for the right. tidal waves of bills my parents 
are the same way. Uh, and you know, I, I, I definitely get that from them as well. Yeah. Like I was, even when I was a little kid, I was like, always, I was like always saving money. My buddy who I've seen your band with kid I grew up with, like he used to give me a hard time. He was always borrowing money from me. Like he, when we were little kids, he'd be like, let me get 50 cents so I can get some Sour Patch Kids, man. I'd be like, all right, man, but you, got, I, you could pay me back. And I would make sure he paid me back. Like the oh, next yeah, time yeah. we went to the store, yeah. <laughs> even if it was 50 cents, but that was like probably, you know, a good chunk of my money at the time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, what starts to throw the whole thing off too is when like really fortunate families, fortunate kids or whatever, they then maybe get like a drug problem or something. Right. And so then they're, kind of saying somehow you know that's an unfortunate thing to happen to them but then suddenly they're comparing it to maybe a happy middle class family that didn't didn't have an alcoholic father you know like the parents were kind to their children not all parents are obviously kind to their children and so like you'll get like a low middle class family that all works together and as happy as anything but not that much money and then a fortunate family that has a lot of money but it's all ripped apart and messed up and then these people give these people crap. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? It's just totally. beyond. It's just beyond. Yeah. yeah. But uh, everyone's got their problems too. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But but, but you're again, right. We both have our arms, and we're not blind. And there's always something worse, you know. When I when we went to Southeast Asia, and we were staying in a lot of places, and most of the most of the restaurants and places they all had dirt floors. Do you know what wow. I mean? Yeah, and like, you know, it it it's great for perspective. But you know, my, my life perspective is this, I think you might like it. And that's, you know, my generation, we probably the same, but like, you know, when the I'm gold 35, what are you, 41? 44. 44? Yeah. Damn. So, uh, I don't look that old, man. I think people tell me that. I think, you know, you look I, young. I think it's because I didn't um, do nine to five for so long, you know, where it beats you down and beats you down and beats you down. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Um, but uh, was like the Gulf War, when the Gulf War came, um, my mom was really nervous because she was a wicked 60s mom. And so she was worried about the draft coming back, right? And so she always was just like, I'm just worried. I'm just worried. I don't know where this is going. I just got to get you to a certain age. And so that always was in my head. And then we always had like platoon and full metal jacket and all these, all these movies. And then it moved on to like Saving Private Ryan, you know? So my life's, you know, people are always like, oh, you're such a positive, upbeat person. Well, I mean, really my, what was instilled in my brain as a little kid is I'm not in France holding my stomach together, wishing I was with my mom. Yeah, man. You know Absolutely. I mean? So Absolutely. I, I never have those fortunate worries. I mean, there are certain worries that, of course, of course, but like I, people, and I know some people it's med medical and I understand that, I, but my God, do people moan? They moan and they moan and they oh. moan. And all I can do is be like, dude, you are not 18 and in the mud looking at half your body ripped apart going, fuck. Yeah. You know? And that's yeah. just my life. I think, I don't know if it if positive outlook is, I don't know how much of it is genetic, but I've always been a really positive person. And may I ask, I don't know if it's too private, but are both your parents still alive? Yeah. It's not too okay. private. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, so I think that, that's something to do with it too. Cause I, I I've noticed over the years, I'm only just, I only just started saying and noticing this about a year ago to me, the people who usually get itchy from me, get a little like, I don't know about this guy are not to go back to it, but like fortunate people, like people 
people who have it all, but not the outlook. Right. You know what I mean? Because money's not a problem. You know, there's no real problem other than their head, where their head's at. So and true. I think so many rich, fortunate people are like, why are you happy? <laughs> Those and are then, miserable people and they're jealous. That's what I've it's learned bad. recently, I think, yeah. right? Because I used to let that bother me. I'd be like, why is this person not like me? Now I'm just like, you know what? I'm not for everyone. Fuck them. Yeah. I'm not for I, everyone. I, I never will be. Well, I'll, I'll do that thing. You know, like the, the new thing that everyone's being told, and it's totally true, is like, hey, man, don't listen to the haters. Don't don't worry about that stuff. You're above it. I don't know the way I'm brought up. Like, I'll be like, why is this person giving me so much shit? Like yeah. how? And I try to logically go through it. And then suddenly I'll be like, Oh, they're just miserable. Yeah, dude. You know, but it's tough. If you're, if you have to like work with someone every day, yeah. who you, they're like, and you just don't click with, or, and you try to go out of your way to like be nice to them. And yeah. for what, no, no matter what you do, they, they just still don't like you. That's yeah. the stuff. I'll go to bed at night. Like, like, oh, you know, I have to deal with this again tomorrow. I don't know why this person doesn't like me. That stuff will eat away at me for sure. Yeah, I, yeah, I hold on to it. I call it holding out. Yeah. Yeah. It. yeah. But it is a constant. And I've only started saying this recently. I'm just like, yeah, I'm not for everyone. You know, like, and I, I try to brush it off, but it's a constant effort to, yeah. to remind, keep reminding myself that and, you know, trying to not let it get to me because it's only going to bring you down. It's bad energy. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. I'll, I'll be like driving and I'll be thinking because I just recently kind of have a like a place where my family and I live, like, you know, and so I have neighbors and, you know, like the whole neighbors thing. And so this neighbor, you know, it gets in my head a little bit, you know what I mean? And I'll be like, why is this person so like this? And they're just an opportunist. They're just trying to, they're just what those type of people that they're just opportunists, you know? And, uh, and I have to remind myself to stop playing it over in my head. Totally. It's hard sometimes. You know? It's hard sometimes. It's because you care, you know, you, you try to be good to people and, yeah. you know do good things and so it's hard to not take it personal when someone doesn't like you when you genuinely have great intentions you know absolutely <laughs> when you're like i'm a when you're totally like i will be your friend i will be a great neighbor and they're like no yeah dude you know yeah All right. yeah sorry weird but yeah anywho mm -hmm. so uh but you were talking about like traveling you know man i think it's the best thing some that you can do you know oh. is travel right yeah I, and, I, call, I, I call it like um big d allowed me to have culture that i would never would have been able to afford culture there you go you know what i mean like i make the joke that i have more friends in austria than austin you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. so you know uh, sometimes when you go when you travel people go oh you americans you never leave your your country why why don't you you know go on holiday like us all the time and i'm like Yo, they no one other than fortunate people can afford it. What are you going to do? What, what what is even close to the options? You know, you're going to take work off. You're going to spend the money on the flights, the food, the the lodging, and then not work that whole time. I mean, their bills are still coming, and then and then have the job when you return. I mean, you're going to get fired. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. I, mean? I kind of just went through that. Well, kind of what you were saying. I, I've talked about this a lot on the podcast, but actually, this podcast started the foundation of it was built on traveling i oh. i i did a solo trip in europe for four months a couple of years ago four it was months. my it was my first time so I, I had this executive job right yeah six six figures um but like i was fucking miserable i was so miserable and in my 20s i 
I never went. I went to community college and I never traveled. I just worked. I've just always worked in restaurants, man. And I worked my way up on the the Panera bread chain, you know, for for a long time I was working for them. Um, But the money was so hard to walk away from going back to how we were raised and stuff. My parents just taught me you need a good job. You got to make a lot of money. So I was just saving. Right. Bought a couple of condos and I, I rented them out, moved my shit in my parents' basement. And I just quit my job, dude. Like, but my dad like couldn't wrap. His, he's like, "What do you mean you quitting your job? What are you, what the fuck are you talking about?" Yeah. So, well, I, I want to go to Europe. I was thirty three at the time, so two years ago. And he's just like, "What, what are you gonna wear the same clothes every day?" What? Do you, what like, I, he just still doesn't understand. I think he's still yeah. mad at me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But point is, like, I don't know. Maybe I lost my mind because I spent a lot of the money that I had saved up. Right. But it, I'll, I still think about that trip every oh, day. Yeah. I hit like twenty seven countries, and after like. You know, four months went by. I was like, I should probably go home now. I guess yeah. I don't. Maybe I was running away from something. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> well, well, living, I call it like, um, you know, you're you're trying to live your life. You're trying to save your life by going out. But four months now. I've done a lot of traveling. Four months is a long time. Yeah. Were you? Did, was it hard near the end? Um, I well, the only thing that bothered me, the like, I don't get homesick, and I can I make friends everywhere I go. Yeah. The, the, the thing that was tough on me, I think the most it might sound silly, but I broke my foot really bad a few years yeah. back snowboarding and I was yeah. doing so much walking. Yeah. And I'm telling you, by the end of the day, I was in Stockholm, Sweden, like my last couple of days. And I just remember I was walking down the street to like, just get some food and I couldn't walk anymore. Like I could not walk anymore without just like, it was, it was bad. I just, I would just like laid in a bed for a couple of days, maybe something in the back of my brain knew that the trip was over or like and yeah, it gave right. and it gave up, but my foot was bothering me the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I yeah. wouldn't, you know, other than that, I, I wanted to stay over there, but yeah. I mean, I was spending a lot of money to like, like too much. Like you were saying, I wasn't making money. I had no job to go back to. I didn't know what I was going to do. Yeah. yeah. I, didn't, don't you like the time when you travel alone sometimes how much you don't speak? Um, I mean, it's fun to speak, but I, it's fun. But sometimes I remember being like, yo, I haven't talked to like, I, you, I don't, I don't count like a, a market. Right. I don't mean, I don't count like buying a drink or a waiter. I mean, a friend. Right. You know, I think it's funny you asked that question because, well, I was doing this podcast, right? Yeah. And I was doing it almost every day. I would just talk for like a half an hour or every other day. So it, th- I think that helped that made me feel like I had a friend because my friends would also you know with the new age and the cell phones and stuff I would put out the podcast it was just a way to keep in touch with friends and family but like people started being like when's the next episode if I missed a day they'd like when's the next episode so Ah. I felt like I like I was talking to my friends the whole time and then it kind of whatever this thing evolved into what we're you and I are doing now but yeah like I guess uh, I I didn't feel like I was alone even though I was you know I, I guess it's because, you know, I play in a band and I'm always with band guys. And then you're always in at shows that when, if, you know, if I was traveling, if like the band finished a tour and I was like, all right, I'm not going to take a flight home with you. I'm going to stay for a little while. There's something so some, sometimes magical about the, the silence. Yeah. <laughs> you know? well, well, I mean, you guys, how many people in your band? It can it's... go from seven to nine. And then with the Dope Dope Dollars, the other band, it's like 13 people. That's a lot of people in tight quarters. Yeah. It's it's like having seven to nine to, or 13 roommates, you know, but it, yeah. like, you know, like I did a, a tour with Piebald right before everything shut down and, you know, yeah. just 
those are your your brothers your sisters whatever like yeah. literally you're living together whether it's in the van the hotel the venue i mean it's yeah. it, it's definitely a grind so mm-hmm. um you have to i don't know i i could see where the silence would be you know or just closing a door and you're the only one that's going to be in the room it's just a weird like close it's me you know i'm not yeah other people I imagine, well, I mean, you were doing like 200 shows or more a year for a long time. So I can imagine that. See, I don't know. I, I, I'm like the type of kid. I get like sad when things end. Yeah. Right. Like when the, when the tour, like the last tour ended, I, I got really sad or like summer camp. I was always the very last kid to leave the camp because I didn't want to leave. Like everybody left and it would just be like me there. Uh, yeah. Even when I worked there, all the staff, I would stay an extra week and they would pay me you know a couple hundred bucks just to like clean and close shit up because i just yeah. didn't want to leave i didn't want to go home yeah. i hate when things end i get sad. same thing with europe i was just like all right i guess i'll go home now fine <laughs> yeah i know what you mean i know what you mean i yeah what was i gonna say uh oh that's the reason why kind of like what we were saying the reason why i spent so big d spent so much time touring like like you said just kept doing it was because you know boston rent went from like three hundred dollars for a room somewhere to $1,300 in like a year and a half. And Crazy. so, so we just all went, if we don't tour, you know, I can't, I can't get an apartment. I, Where am I going to stay? And so that some of us were lucky. And I try to tell young musicians that, that if you really want to like go, go for it. And you don't necessarily, if, you know, daddy doesn't work for Sony or your uncle doesn't work for, you know, something then I wouldn't, I, I would try to stay away from rent, you know, crash yeah. on people's couches and be a really good guest that's basically how i did it i'd clean the house and give them if we were at the bar i would you know give them money if i went and had it but i they'd let me crash uh, or live with your parents or something you know what i mean like but i don't think you can be like a serious touring musician and pay real rent it just right. doesn't, it just doesn't work out like where i'm talking right now this is my parents basement mm-hmm. it's an in-law apartment which is nice right. i get my own you know, kitchen and bathroom, my, my own entrance. Yeah. It's a separate apartment, but I'm 35 years old and I live in my parents' basement. So there's, there's some pride American there. But they, yeah. So uh, point being, I come back from Europe, I'm bartending, trying to figure out my life. Big tour, dashboard confessional with Piebald. Mm-hmm. They're like, you want to be tour manager? And I was like, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. this is what I want to do. And what a great thing to put on my resume. Yeah. Right? Yep. To, to get into that world. It's a hard um, job. Yeah, dude. But like, I, I've always been like wanted to be a part of this world Been going to shows forever. I used to have dreams of just being a merch guy for any band, never mind my favorite band. So it was a dream come true, bro. And, sure. you know, we got back from tour. It was like March 1st of 2020. So like right when the everything shut down pretty much. Mm-hmm. So I've just been bartending still in the meantime, still living in my parents' basement, renting out my condos. I set myself up financially, but I, as soon as things open back up, I want to get back out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, whether it's selling merch, tour managing, whatever. Cowbell I, player, I don't care. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. It's, it, it is quite a beautiful world. Yeah. I mean, the fact that, I mean, there are so many little perks other than the obvious things like, you know, seeing great shows every night and seeing new states or new countries every night. But there's funny little quirks like you never have to bake your bed. <laughs> you never really have to clean up your room or your house because you have either you're crashing somewhere or they have a they have a a bunkhouse in the venue or it's a or you or you're at a hotel but you know you you know you don't have to 
do all the chores, fix the pipes. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. What What I also love about it, and it was such a a uh, breath of fresh air compared yeah. to the the corporate world, was that you. It's just you're in the moment, dude. Like I like I'm so much more relaxed. You know, it's like tour managing. You know, there's times you got to hustle. Then that's where work ethic comes into play. But everything's just in the moment. And then yeah. uh, Travis Shettle of Piebald said this um, to me. He goes, you know, it's interesting. Like how much really goes into, you know, we had a like a 45 minute set. He's like, you know, you're you're round the clock. All the traveling, all the just everything that goes on behind the scenes, loading, unloading, and all oh, yeah. all this stuff to shred the people's faces off for the 45 minutes. And that's what yeah. just makes it all special. But I, I think I just like being in the moment. I think it's healthier, you know? Well, all the books that I've always liked uh, and been attracted to is, are always man versus odds. You know, have it be that young one hatchet to, you know, Lord of the Flies, if you will. But just all the Steinbeck books and just, just or Endurance, or, or my favorite one, um, uh, Shackleton, the the story of Ernest Shackleton, you know, and they got stuck in the ice and you had all of the sailors that it was for like three years or more. And like, they all survived. No one died. And they like walked back. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but, uh, but, but I always liked that whole being in a band and, you know, the, the, the wheel the bus and you're stuck in this place in the middle, you know, the Midwest for a couple of days because they can't get the part, but you got to, you know, you're always trying to troubleshoot and fix. You're like really living. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes like you're saying in the, in the corporate world or in the more, you know, American society, it's, it just starts getting gossipy. Uh, everyone's being their worst selves. Friends bad energy. Being, yeah. Yeah. Friends are, you, you know, it's just it's it's just the gossip it's it's the adult gossip or the young so adult true. gossip that just blows my mind i'm so disappointed in adults <laughs> I, mean, I thought by the time you know i was an adult adult that everyone would be so awesome and look at children doing sophomoric things as sophomoric but it's all just subdiffuses and stratagems to get ahead and like it's just super disappointing <laughs> so disappointing like you don't want to say that to the kids like you know that gossip from middle school and high school it gets worse <laughs> way worse so much worse it gets so much worse because you because i thought it from all the 80s movies that that's when that happens right you know what i mean like gossip in school and then you grow up and you're an adult and you're a practical person and I think in your twenties, I think I think like before like middle school, everything's you know. They, I don't think people know what gossip is, but and then in your twenties, for me at least, obviously for other people, but it seemed like everyone took a break on it, and everyone was just kind of super cool. Like everyone wanted to kind of meet new people. Like yeah, a little time after high school, you know, like maybe two years after high school, everyone's like, "Who are you? Do you want to be friends?" I think so. <laughs> no one has like time to be like, "Doesn't Craig suck?" You know what I mean? Right. Um, That's so then, true but then it starts back up again. Right. Yeah. I still generally stay out of that, you know, yeah. like just that, I don't know, like it's, it's, just, it's not productive. It's bad energy. I mean, I'll vent from time to time. If someone pisses me off, you know, it's well, different. I, I think there's a difference between, <laughs> I, I always say there's a difference between venting and talking shit. Yeah. Venting is like, yo, Sarah needs to do the dishes. I love Sarah, but like, <laughs> yo. Pick up the slack, do... Sarah, what the fuck? <laughs> right. And, and, and like, like when you talk shit, you want the person to not like the person when you walk away, when they walk away. 
but when you vent, you don't necessarily want them to not like the person. Right. And, totally. And yeah. Fun. Yeah. If you don't I, mind me being long-winded. This might, this might help. I, I, someone told me this and I love it, that there's three levels of conversation. The first level of conversation, which is like, you don't have anything to bring. Like you don't have, you're, you just got nothing is to put down someone else in the hope that you, we can bond over that. You know what I mean? Because they don't have anything else. The second form of uh, level of conversation is repeating stuff like, hey, do you see on Family Guy? Or do you see Game of Thrones? Or I read this article in the Wall Street Journal or, you know, the New York Times today, I just saw, you know what I mean? So you're just repeating information and hope and hope to find someone who wants to talk about it with you. And then the third one is just nothing to do with that. It's more like, how's your mom? Do you want to build a rocket ship? Yeah, talking about like the future and stuff. Yeah, just like, how are you? Yeah, I've heard that be almost the same exact thing before at oh, summer camp someone someone taught this dude from south africa he taught me he said pretty much the same exact thing oh really because i don't yeah. remember who told me that so I'm, i i've always been curious like yeah where who told me that yeah and then, then i was like damn because i'm usually I'll, I'll be the guy who's just like quoting the simpsons and shit like I, so maybe i'm somewhere in the middle <laughs> well, I, don't think there's anything, I don't think there's anything wrong with the you know the, the middle one but yeah. it's the first one that you, yeah it's bad energy yeah, because when people start doing that with me now, I go first level. And for me, I go, I don't want to be a part of first level. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and, and you know what? I mean, you, you already know this, but I just like to sometimes when people are like, yo, man, Craig fucking sucks. Don't you? Aren't you sick of him? And you go, actually, I like Craig. They go, yeah, yeah, no, sorry. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> like you can stop <laughs> gossip right, right away. Mm -hmm. You're anyway. right. No, I, I love I love this stuff, man. You're absolutely yeah. right. We should yeah. talk about your band a little bit, oh. a little bit. <laughs> so uh, that was great, great conversation. But yeah. I, I, I mean, again, I'm a huge fan. The first time I saw you guys, it was the Hat Shell with Less Than Jake. Yeah. I think it was was that oh oh. It was a little bit later, like maybe oh three or something like that. I just saw on I just yeah oh three. I just 03? saw online the singer to Ice Nine Kills brought that show up. Oh, that's oh, weird. Yeah. Uh, he's so he's from he Swampskit. Is he? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy, I think his name is. I've, I don't know if I've met him, but a couple of my friends have been in, like when they were just Ice Nine. Like I, I remember seeing them at like Swampskit, a Swampskit high school dance or something like that. Yeah, he just brought that show up too. And that's funny. It was a really awesome show, but I just haven't talked about it in a while. So it's cool that it's coming up. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. So that day. And this was a Saturday. You guys were playing the hat shell opening for Lesson Jake at, I don't know, like two o'clock or something. And then that, so I went to that. That night, I went to the Songus Arena in Lowell and I saw Dashboard Confessional, MXPX, and Brand New. Wow. That was a really, really rad show. And I was like front row. So I remember like you guys, you blew my mind. Like I hadn't seen you before. And I was, I think I was kind of just getting into ska because I grew up on rap, like in this yeah. neighborhood that I grew up in. Everyone around me just listened to rap. So, yeah. and I remember, dude, that show mm -hmm. you were like yo we just we just dropped this rap cd it's called porch life and my so this is like all coming full circle right now but my buddy who i was with he grew up in the same neighborhood as me we thought you were joking or at least he did he went he bought oh, the cd and he the was like, is, the record is satire <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, but, but like but like he, he didn't think it was like actual like rap like he thought it was like just he thought you were just fucking around Right. He bought the CD and he was like, man, you can have this. I don't know, like he likes rap. I think he was just bummed out because he thought it was going to be like what what you guys were playing. <laughs> there is, OK, so it's 
so I still many- have that CD somewhere. I was trying to find it before I oh, talked to you. you know, I couldn't find it. There's so many funny things connecting right now because I just found like the last five of Porch Life. That's what it's called. Mm-hmm. And I put them on for sale online. And uh, and I quickly went, oh, wait, I got to make sure I have a copy, right? So I, I literally just played it the other day. And I was like, you know what? I might put this up on TuneCore digitally. You know what I mean? So I'm going through it to make sure, not, you know, like it's okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, it was a long time ago. Like, there's some crazy stuff in it and, and so the, the the album is is a joke it's for, it's fun it's for fun you know uh, and that's what's so funny about the music industry is like it should be obvious that it's a joke you know what i mean because it's lyrics from other songs and right. the skits are ridiculous and uh but it's hilarious but yeah but wicked hilarious but but then like i remember interpunk gave it like one star and was like you know, how could they? And then we put out some other record and they're like, here's Big D's new record. But, you know, for every Gypsy Hill, there's a porch life. And you're like, come, oh my come God. on. They just didn't get it. Yeah. Like, but it's I've never been a part of something that like so many people. Th- I mean, it should have been very obvious. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it, but it's not, you know. Yeah. And it's, so but we did that because I think our van had some trouble that one summer. And so we couldn't go on tour. So I just wanted and we and like we 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 did or we like we were working on big d stuff probably but i was just like let's do something fun and so all the fork in hand people kind of came together and we made a funny record but yeah. we just brought it up like That's i had funny. it like halfway uh ready for tune car <laughs> it's just That's so awesome it's ridiculous that, that's hilarious man yeah. wow and uh speak less than jake i'm actually going to be talking with chris demakes uh in a couple wow. weeks on here which I'm so stoked about, like, you know, big fan of them too. Uh, you toured with them for a while, right? Yep, here and there. Um, we just we did the we did the first Interrupters tour with them, and you know, just here and there and everywhere. Um, and then I really liked his podcast. Um, where Krista he, makes a podcast. Yeah, he did the Dickie Barrett and Joe Gittleman uh, about, or was it just Dickie Barrett? I forget now. I haven't but, heard that one yet, but it's on my it's in my queue. Yeah, they break down. He does a cool way of doing it. Like he breaks down songs and uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, the, the whole podcast, it, like he, he'll get an artist or musician and he'll take essentially one song and just break it down like for the whole episode. Pretty interesting. Yeah, it's a really cool concept and it's yeah. really taken off. It's been mm-hmm. cool to to follow, you know. There's so many podcasts. I mean, everyone's got a podcast now. But <laughs> yeah. I figure this is the best time for me to be talking to people, right? Like if this was normal life, I you might not have the time to sit down, right? Oh yeah, I like I like podcasts uh, being you know on them because uh, I've only done a couple, but because of lockdown, you know, exactly, it helps, it helps to kind of get out there. So, so yeah, it's, it's crazy how lockdown has flipped the script for everybody. I, I kind of um, I kind of liked it. I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, other than all the tragedies and terrible, terrible, terrible. Of course. Lockdown, not the the virus, but the lockdown itself, I kind of enjoyed. (laughs) Yeah, I did too. But you're a positive guy. You're going to make the best of it. And and for you, always, whatever, you were on the road. I don't know. How many bands do you have? A lot. (laughs) Do you even know how many? You've had so many bands. So I imagine it was a nice change of pace. Having three bands compared to some people these days is almost like not that many i mean so many people have like oh i'm in 47 bands you know what i mean so yeah there's yeah. Big e, the dollies and the, do- the doped up dollies exists because you know the dollies help support our vocals you know I was, my dad was really big into like the dixie cups and like doo-wop and 
Um, so I really like doo-wop a lot. Um, and so the Chantels, of course. And so when Fluent Stroll came, I wanted to start getting that in Big D. Um, and, you know, Bob Marley's backup singers, I forget what their names are, but I'm just randomly. The Whalers? The Whalers had like three, one of you know, three ladies. Um, and, um, and so while doing it, like Thray, one of the Doka Bellies, I'd be like, you know, Big D will back you guys up on your record one day and we'll just be your band, you know? And then something like three or five years went by and she's like, Dave, so when's this happening again? And I went, oh, right, right, right. And so then we, then we did it. And then, That's awesome. And I, I saw, it. was it Ciudado? Cuidado, yeah. Cuida oh, sorry. I said it. See, I always thought it was Ciudado. Oh, like it. You see I it probably lot. read it wrong. I think I'm half dyslexic too, to be honest, but oh, go on. I'm yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, Cuidado, um, that was because, you know, I grew up, like I told you, like heavy metal and hardcore and stuff. So there are, you know, there are things, there are musical ideas that just don't quite work with Big D, even though I'll try, you know, you, sometimes you just have to go, you know, this isn't, this square is not going to go through the circle. And so um, some, I used to play in a band called Drexel. Um, on yeah, Florida. man. Like, I've seen Drexel a bunch of times. Oh, really? Back, back in the day. Yeah. Like, like the, like the, like the VFW halls and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, uh, I was, I was Sailor Elks Club, maybe. Yeah. yeah. I'm the drummer of that band. Yeah, 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 man. Drexel was huge. I mean, I was I was like I was in high school, so it was like when I first started going to shows, I would see bands like like Drexel, and uh, it was the scene, you know. It, it was a good scene. Yeah, it was a great yeah. scene. Yeah, and absolutely. So I so when I started doing music, I was I wanted to be a drummer, hundred percent. The whole singing and Big D thing is is literally just a fluke, a mistake, if you will. That's but funny. I, I loved being a, the drummer in Drexel. Like I love like being the tail gunner or the belly gunner, but having trusted captains up front, you know, Mark and Aaron, the singers. And so, you know, I liked always being like, like I'm backing the guys up. Yeah, I, man. And I loved having an instrument. Like I, I, lo I loved like taking care of my drums and stuff. So, you know, sometimes I miss having an instrument when I sing in Big D because I just come out there and I'm like, well, I don't know, Dave. What you? <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> well, you do it really well, man. Thanks, thanks. You're you're a leader for sure, and uh, but yeah, I I've seen Drexel more than I've seen Big D. If I th if I think think about it, I'm pretty sure. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> I see you guys all the time. <laughs> yeah. We have like I found like the last couple CDs and a couple pins. I can send them to you. Yeah, yeah. I won't say no. I mean, you guys were great. You guys were great. I I, I thoroughly loved and enjoyed playing that band. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. I try every so, year to get a reunion going, and uh, we almost had it last year, and uh, right like right when I got it. The club figured out like it was the deal it was happening one of the guys pulled out oh man i know, I know. So close that yeah. sucks yeah well maybe maybe once i think you know concerts and music are going to be so much more appreciated you know mm. um aside from maybe someone like you and me who live for it you know i, I think mm -hmm. for example there's a festival uh furnace fest is happening in september if it all goes as planned and that's in birmingham alabama cool i can name about 10 people from boston my kids i grew up with who have hit me up because piebald's on it so they've hit me up to be like oh dude i'll see you at furnace fest it's like oh. pre-pandemic none of those people would have been flying to birmingham alabama for a festival very very true you yeah. know so and i, I think piebald's the best yeah what i love about pieball and i don't know if you ever knew karate back then back in the day there was a band called karate around i'm not um, sure is and then Helms. Helms was a Boston band. Mm -hmm. um, 
is that they're original and they're making their own sound. And the only thing that I kind of feel a little just sorry about the ringing, we're in a new place. Um, uh, so many people, it seems, just are sound alike bands. They're just they 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 have they have somebody they like and they just try to write songs like it. Do you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. a lot of these kind of you know I don't know what to call them, but the what well, like style of music really. But because they're all just themselves. Each band in Boston during the Drexel Big D times, everyone was just their own superhero. You yeah. know, I have my own powers. I'm not not we don't have like twelve Supermen and twelve Batmans. Like everyone was an individual with their own mutant powers, you know? Totally, man. Yeah. I uh, I often wear piebald stuff. Like even at the bar, I'll have my piebald hoodie on it. People are like, oh, it's piebald. You know, I, I explained the, the band. And to your point, they'll be like, well, what kind of music is it? And I'm like, I, I don't know. It's yeah. rock, indie, check them out. They're awesome. I like, I don't know what, I don't, I yeah. never know how to answer that question. <laughs> I, and that's what I love about bands like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah man. And Big D's like that, dude. I mean, you can call it ska, but you know, you guys, there's no no band that I've heard that's you, sounds like Big D. You guys certainly do your own thing. Yeah. If anything, I think you probably started your own little wave because you guys have been around for such a long time now. You're legends, and uh, you know, yeah, man, just super influential in, in the scene, not just Boston, but you know, just the the music world. I mean, you guys have been everywhere, right? There are some heartbreaking moments when like you go to Malaysia and you get there and people are wearing your shirts and like telling you how much they love your music and you're just like what I don't understand you know what I mean I mean what another another moment which was just like I mean not that I don't understand but just like it's so beautiful that your brain can't comprehend it do you know what I mean like heartwarming Um, yeah like I'm I'm in this country and you're be it's just I lost for words but you know when I went on my honeymoon to Scotland when the Isle of Skye where my branch of McQueen's are from you know the I'm very excited I want to tell my dad and my uncle I'm, I'm in the place the history and I and I my wife goes I'm, I'm going to use the washroom and I go okay I'll get us two pints and I go to the bar this is the first person I spoke to right like in in the Isle of Skye and I go may I have two, two pints please and he goes you're Dave from Big D no way I'm like what That's you know what crazy. I mean like so heartwarming you know yeah. to go home on the family branch and someone say that i mean it was it's crazy that's unbelievable he just recognized you immediately yeah i mean i i literally like i don't know if you can remember back in the day when like a pretty girl in middle school would say hi to you and your whole body would just go like when he of said course. that my whole body was just like oh, what is going on wow <laughs> man i didn't know my name that's special it's special yeah it's a good way to say it that's yeah special. that's so rad yeah but, but back to pieball like I love these individuals. I love Boston. I love the Boston thing. And oh, oh, to go with what you were saying about Big D, once a band has decided that they're they're not going to try to chase the fame dragon, you know what I mean? Like then they're going to write differently. You know what right. I mean? I think it's always important. Like figure out figure out what you're going to do. Are you are are you going to really try? You know, you know, do you want to be in the entertainment industry or do you want to be an artist? You know what I mean? And right. I think I think you can draw a line in the sand. Um, um, obviously everyone's gonna give you flack and be like no you can't but yeah you can't do you know what i mean <laughs> i mean for me i like shows that are 100 people i like 150 i like 300 i like 500 i'll go up to 1200 do you know what i mean it's getting a little big at this point um <laughs> but i also don't mind the shows with eight people you know what i mean right. or, or 20 but once you start getting above like a thousand i don't know if i'm 
if that's what I signed up for. Unless it's a festival. I don't know. I love, I love the festival vibes. I, I know what you mean. Well, I like, the, I, like the, I like the festivals in the sense of, I like the whole proving yourself thing. Like, now you go up and do your thing. Now you go up and do your thing. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, like a Dropkick Murphys tour is really fun because nobody wants to see the opening band, right? So if you're opening up, you get to have that like 15, 16, 17 year old mentality of, wait, do they get a load of us? I like that stuff. We you know just did I mean? that, like open up for Dashboard. A lot of people knew Piebald. A lot of people had n- no idea about yeah. Piebald. So right. but yeah, but go ahead. Yeah. I, I just love the prove yourself thing. And, and so I think for some, some musicians just have to ask themselves, you know, like, what is it they want? Because I'll go on, I'll, I'll go play festivals, right? And this happens. I'll be, I'll be backstage at the end of the festival. Let's say at Warp Tour, they had those barbecues, right? And for some reason, I don't know what it is about me, guitar players from other bands would kind of come up to me and be like, yeah, I play in brr, brr, brr. It's not really my thing. I mean, I have my solo stuff. I'd love to show you something. And they'll like diss the bands that they're in. And I think that's what people get their wish. And they, they, didn't, they didn't specify what their wish was. Like they wanted to be in a band. So now they're in a band that they play music in that they don't like the music and it's really popular. Right. That's almost worse than having a nine to five. <laughs> yeah. Well, or, or getting stuck in a job that, you know, cause you want a job, you want to make good money. And all of a sudden you're like, Oh, wait a minute. I'm miserable. This is not, you know, it's yeah. probably the same idea. Right. Yeah. See, I mean, you have to play the songs that you write a Brazilian. So you gotta love them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if you're going to work, you're going to have to go to work. A Brazilian time, <laughs> Brazilian you time. Love the job, yeah. <laughs> yeah. which is easier said than done. But right, 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 right you right. know. But, uh, but that's that's funny, man. Um, I you know you brought up Warp Tour. I like Warp Tour stories. Warp Tour stories? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm sitting at catering, which very much like uh, the cafeteria in high school, right? And I hear Dave, Dave, yo, yo, Dave, and it's distinctly uh, Tim Armstrong's voice. Right. And he's and he's he's being loud. And so everybody knows his voice and he's being loud. So pretty much everybody in the cafeteria is like listening, you know, like all the spotlight is on. Right. And I'm wicked young. You know, I'm not good at talking to uh, famous people or people I admire. You know what I mean? Like I just kind of mess it up. Right. And uh, and so I immediately scared as hell. And he goes. Yo, I just want to, I just wanted, I don't know about this impersonation. Uh, I just wanted to introduce you to my, one of my best friends. Yo, Lars, this is Dave. Dave, this is Lars. Lars plays in Rancid with me. Dave plays oh, in Big D, right? And I'm like, oh my God. I know who Lars is. It was, <laughs> it was such a like kind introduction. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, sounds pure. He plays, yeah, it was pure introduction. Yeah. So I, you know, I was like, it's nice to meet you, Lars. <laughs> you <know? laughs> And then that's great we'll see you later all right see you later and now i'm back at my cat like my meal going i don't know that's crazy <laughs> i love those moments man it's fun but at the end of the day you know people are just people right yeah but i have the a little bit where i i joked to my wife like if there was an orange on an orange juice commercial and i went to the mall and they were showing it i'd be like Finley. i mean breathe that's the orange from the commercial yeah i think a lot of people are like that i don't care i'm not like a kardashian person at all like i don't care but but for some for some reason i've never really met i've only met really okay so i met my all-time hero um 
and that's Yako from Milk Banana. She sings in the Japanese noise core Milk Banana. Oh. And yeah. And uh, and I'm getting better because we are like friends now and like, but you know, it's it's hard. Um, and once one of my heroes called me, but I missed the call. And oh, no. um, Ad Rock from the BC Boys called me because I did the Obey Giant Shepherd Fairies Obey Giants record and I put BS 2000 on it. And he called to um, say thank you. Wow. I, right. I just left the house to grab something. Oh, uh, man. Biggest, biggest regret in my life. And um, so I never really met other than those one I didn't meet, but yeah, I never really met any anybody from Iron Maiden. Or, you know what I mean? So it's like, right. so, you know, I don't know. I don't I'm not that good about that. Like, yeah, they're all just normal people. They're all, I'm like, yeah, but Bruce Dickinson, you know, <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right, man. I mean, if I met Pee Wee Herman man i would be wicked nervous yeah you know i usually don't get nervous i don't know but like like i'm a huge bill burr fan oh me too yeah i met him and i had his vinyl like um he he did a he did a comedy benefit you know uh the leaning tower of pizza on route one giggles comedy club whatever he was playing there and it wasn't announced but like i he subtly said it on his podcast and i was like he's he's gonna be at giggles this weekend I don't, but this was before he really blew up, but it, he was pretty big. He was like, you know, seven years ago. He's, he was big enough. Yeah, yeah. No, he's still and, big. Yeah. And it wasn't on the marquee. Like, I think it was like Lenny Clark or whatever, you know, but, but like I brought my vinyl and this was a, oh, but this was also a private function, mm. but I just showed up and I, I had my vinyl in my car in case I ran into him. They let me in the show mm-hmm. and then he was just standing at the bar just because there's no green room. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a yeah. restaurant. What and was he was it? just standing there and I, dude, I couldn't talk. I could not speak. I ran to my car. I grabbed my vinyl and this was a very limited edition thing uh, that he did like a collector's item. Um, and I was just standing there holding my vinyl in a marker. Yeah. And he's like, he's just like looking me up and down, which made me more nervous. Like I froze yeah. up dude. I've never been so nervous. But, but <laughs> did he say anything to you? How was he? Cause I love that. He, he was cool as hell, but he was just like, he was just like, what's, what's that say on your hat right there? I don't even know what that is. Like, <laughs> and then uh, Nation. I listened to his podcast a lot. And uh, then he's like, oh, oh, you bought my record? Like, and again, this was a Carnegie Hall thing. Very special edition. Like, the, he only made so many. So I think, I, but in my head, I thought maybe I was being weird. Maybe freaking him out. But uh, then he was just like, wow, man, thanks for buying my record. And like. I don't know. Oh, oh, the funny part of the story is I got it framed. That's why I keep looking over here. Oh, it's on my wall right. over there. But I love Bilber. I just finished. He's the best. Rewatching or re-listening, if you will, because I, you know, I try to do, do things while I listen to it. You know, uh-huh. all of his next Netflix specials. I just recently watched, listened to all of them again. Let it go is my favorite. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's, he's talking about like chain restaurants and all that stuff. But yeah. um, so I had the the plastic wrap on the vinyl still like I hadn't even opened it yet and I didn't want to open it but I wanted him to sign it sure and, and this one dude he's like wasted he's just he was the one who's like oh what do you, hey that's he he put two and two together he's like oh do you want to talk to Bill Burr and like he could clearly hear what was going on <laughs> Bill Burr. and I was just like uh, 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 uh. he's like you should probably take the plastic off that thing before you have him sign it like what are you doing there like you should probably open it. I was just like I, I don't know man leave me alone like but didn't and, he help though didn't he help a little Oh, he helps so much. He helps so much. <laughs> but I was just so nervous. And the guy was just on me and like, yeah, he, oh, he helped a lot. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But, um, but then like when I gave it to Bill to sign, he goes, well, aren't you going to open it? And I was just like, yeah, I got it. 
<laughs> so then well, we yeah. ended up just tearing back a corner and he yeah. signed he signed it and then uh, I put it in the frame but it was well, just I'll, a, tell you, I'll tell you i don't mean to sound like i don't know if this is like pompous or anything but you know i talked to a lot of people in that kind of like hey do you want me to sign your record thing and the way you're describing how you were acting is definitely not a bad thing at all i think there's right. only one type of person that's wicked annoying and you know what i mean and that's like the really drunk person that's really wet and oh god that's okay but then then and they say things like you know strictly rude's awesome but damn the dumb delirious sucks and so now you're going like oh, no. like just really no manners never were taught manner so if you're not the worst person in the world don't worry about it at right all. <laughs> yeah, you're right and you know i um i i got a little taste of it nothing on like yeah. that level but just with piebald uh you know just because i'm selling the merch too on those dashboards oh, yeah. so you know yeah, i would yeah. go up there and play the cowbell like i said and people would be walking by like oh my god you're the guy who played the cowbell i was signing i was signing autographs on this tour i don't fucking i don't sign autographs i was like i don't know you know the funniest part was like the first time i signed an autograph it was on like a it was on a, a piebald cassette tape okay so I just had to like write my initials real small. And first, every time someone asks me, I'm like, you don't want mine. I always say, I'm like, you know, I'm not in the band. Like, I'm, <laughs> I want their autograph too. And then, <laughs> but then they'll be like, no, no, you have to sign it. I really want you to. And I'm like, all right. And then uh, the first time I did it, uh, I, I just like wrote the initials like DB and I wrote like a circle around it. And uh, Andy from Pieball was just like, kind of like watching me. He was just like, nice signature, bro. <laughs> because he could tell that i didn't know what i was doing I, don't know. It was I got i got my signature if you will uh basically what i do is once i was at the escape club in salisbury mass nice and i was watching sam black church play with um mucky pup and maybe and somebody and uh and i went over to jet the singer and i was super nervous and i said you know can you please sign my hat and he made sure that he didn't just sign it. He made like the symbol and maybe did the date. Like he, I thought, I thought it was just going to be like, get out of here, kid, you bother me. Right. Right. And, right. He made sure, and he could tell us and everything. He made sure that I slowed down and had a conversation with him. Right. So like, yeah. that's, that's basically what I try and do. Cause I couldn't believe how cool he was. That's why I try, you yeah. know, I try to take the time and not just go, you know, I try to know who the person is like he did to yeah. me. The craziest thing years down the road, I'm at a Boston show in Sam Black Church's opening up. And I, I'm like, hell man, when's the next time I'm gonna see Jed again? Cause he was, just, he was right there. And I went to do the same thing and he did the same thing. Like I was like, I'll just do it quick. I'll just, he's busy. I'll just, I'll just go quick. And he's like, no, 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 no. And I, yeah. I just love that, you know, it's just people don't know that like what one moment will do to someone else's whole life. And then, and then other people's lives. Right. I do the same thing, even if it holds up the line. I mean, if I got a, a really long line, I have to be, you know, some sense of urgency, but I still make a point. Like I talk to everyone and uh, like, I'll be like, oh, is this your first time seeing Pieball? Like, where are you from? Like, I have it, yeah, like people take pictures with me and stuff like that, which is, which is, you know, it's obviously a, a nice feeling, but I sincerely like, am just a, the biggest fan. And I, I, I I, I think I, I work the merch table, I guess, the way I bartend. I don't know. I'm just a social oh. guy. I like talking yeah. to people, even oh. if they're not buying stuff and they walk by. I'm like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> you know? it, could it be em empathetic, too? Like, I'm the type of person that, like, if someone's in line and they're nervous, it's like, make sure they're okay. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. like, don't 
don't be nervous. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Totally. Just an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny though, man. All right. I don't want to take up too much of your time. You want to do, I've never done this before. You want to do like a speed round real quick? Yeah. All right. Favorite show ever. Oh, so, okay. So even though it's speed round, I, can I think slowly? <laughs> say whatever you want. And say whatever you want. I just want to like. So I want, TV show? Yeah. TV show? Uh, I, I meant like favorite show. Well, favorite TV oh. show, yes, but I meant like show that you've played, like most memorable show oh. you've played on stage. Okay, both. So first, I, both. I just, my first, my favorite TV show, I think, is Metalocalypse from Death Death Clock Metalocalypse. That's awesome. Yeah, oh, hilarious. Yeah, the show's um, great. My favorite, my my most favorite show I've ever played. Um, I, I I would have to probably. Oh, I guess. Okay, two. One would be the Malaysia show because I just couldn't believe people were there that's wild I, I just couldn't believe it and and they were so kind but i guess the operation ivy um cover set we did at amnesia rock fest because so we learned energy from operation ivy and learning those lyrics was crazy and i knew them a hundred percent by the by the end which is crazy that is crazy such studying and um and I didn't, they were like, do you guys want to do this at the after party show? And whenever you hear an after party show at a festival, usually it's like not that great. And it's like kind of crappy, right? But they want to provide it for bands and stuff right. like that. So right. I thought like 12 people, 22 people would be there. And so then I saw Darren from Goldfinger, the drummer guy, and I uh, at the gig and I was like, didn't you do Dookie yesterday uh, at the after party? And he's like, yeah. I was like, how many people went? Is it like 20? And he goes, oh, you don't know. And I'm like, oh. no, like, no, it's going to be like 8,000 people, right? And, Holy and, shit. Yeah, it, like, it, was like, it was like everybody. And so Whoa. System of the Down is finishing up because they're the headliner. Wow. And we're next. So, you know, like we're like System of the Down, you're kind of going over. And, uh, <laughs> and so we didn't know either, but we had that awesome hardcore thing where like all the friends, like the suicide machines, you know, and then everyone's there, right? But then Tim Armstrong, Lint from Operation Ivy shows up and I'm just like, what is going on? And so Lint performs with us, but also he's watching. And so, I mean, it's a hundred percent of a dream come true. I get to pretend to be, I get to be a vessel, you know, for Jesse. That's wild. The whole record. I mean, it was such an honor. That's wild. Uh, I think that's my favorite because that was a dream come true. That was well, I was going to ask you your favorite festival too. So I'm like, that kind of fulfills that, right? Yeah. Wow. Where was that? Uh, in Canada, Amnesia Rock Fest. Cool. I would say probably my favorite, probably the coolest thing would, would, would have probably been around the shop. I lay me good luck times when a band, when a band has zero fans and then they kind of play that first show where they have some fans, yeah. not everybody, but, and you look out in the crowd and you're like, some people know the songs right that that, that that's do you remember that that pinnacle moment for you in big d i kind of remember the, the the grass fire spreading so a couple of those shows like the the hanover vfws and the middle east upstairs and downstairs and and just going like you know it's just being noticed for the first time and for yeah. everybody who starts a band when you first get noticed i mean it's just you, you're like, thanks for noticing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, you guys, Sorry, I'm not, crazy. I'm not good at the speed round. It's not my thing. No, no, I, still, <laughs> I have good. a couple more. Can I have a couple okay. more? <laughs> um, all right. Uh, favorite tour ever. Favorite tour ever. Um, geez, uh, I guess it would be. 
any tour with the pie tasters or the planet smashers because i just really love ending the night you know change your socks so you know dry so you put some dry socks on and you go side stage or you know in, in the front house and you just watch them and they're just yeah. great guys and i i really like watch oh and real big fish at this point has there's those three bands are just great guys and they're really good at what they do and that's awesome i love when uh we did the van buren on the last tour in phoenix hmm. And we showed up and they had like fresh pairs of socks for all of us. And I was like, oh my God, this is the best venue ever. Mm-hmm. Like, I, <laughs> I didn't know that was going to be a thing. You know, it was just a really nice, nice touch on their part. Um, favorite venue to play ever? I guess, I guess the 930, 930 Club in DC. I've never been there. What's special about it? Um, it's just that they do every single thing right. Like there's laundry, they give you food. Um, it's good sound. But I mm-hmm. also... But if I had to say Boston, you know, Boston one, um, the Middle East. Yeah. Downstairs, yeah. upstairs, both. Uh, uh, downstairs for Big D and upstairs for Drexel. That's a good answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, favorite uh, city in the United States to visit? Um, I think Chicago has it quite right. Um, I can I can spot a Chicago person. I, I can sh- spot a Chicago person almost anywhere. And I did it once in um, Iceland and it was hilarious. And this girl's like, how do you know I'm from Chicago? And I'm like, because you're dressed more alternative than an alternative person from Boston, but you haven't <laughs> gone too far that you've overdone it like New York. <laughs> oh, that's funny. You're like, so you, you just called them out. That's funny. Well, sometimes. Well, when you live in like a city where everyone's up in someone, then you, you're bound to mess up. True. Uh, <laughs> I, Iceland's amazing. I, I, I had the pleasure of visiting Iceland while I was over in Europe. Speaking of that, uh, how about favorite country you've been to abroad? uh i i have to say scotland because it meant more um um but i i quite liked scotland uh iceland yeah yeah well that's i never know how to say it. edinburgh 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 everyone says oh, it different yeah, and everyone corrects edinburgh. me edinburgh. Yeah, yeah edinburgh okay that city's rad i could live there scotland's the only place where i have to say what three or four times and if you ever are talking to someone you learn quickly <laughs> that you can't say what three or four times because it's like <laughs> Black of the Blue, what? Black of the Blue, what? Black of the Blue, by the third one, you're like, I'm gonna, the guy's going to hit you. <laughs> I felt the same way as Scotland, Ireland, pretty yeah. much all the United Kingdom. Yeah. I'm like, it's fu- down. we speak the same language. I'm also hot of hearing. I have like the tinnitus in both my yeah. ears from all the concerts, but like, yeah. <laughs> well, blank, blank means drink. Blank, 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 blank. You're like, blank? Yeah. I was better at communicating with people in like Italy and Spain than I was in the United Kingdom, yeah. which is hilarious. Uh, have you been to Africa? No, I had no? I was supposed to, and then it didn't work out. I want to go there. How about South America? Oddly enough, Big D's never been to South America or Ireland. Australia? Yeah. Sick. I Ben still owes us money. I'm taking a trip to Japan in October if it doesn't get canceled. I'm taking, like I told you, I was doing a boat. I did a boat thing to Europe. Doing the same thing in October from Seattle to Tokyo, and it's one way. Japan is wonderful, and I'm like, I don't know what I'm gonna do from there. Another open-ended trip, maybe I go to Australia. I don't know. So, what uh, can you tell me about Japan? I would just say one thing about Japan, and if you go to Tokyo and you're doing all the fun, like lights, crazy, awesome, make sure to go to like the the farmlets. You know, okay. where, where you where you see those like the Instagram Earth Focus stuff, like you know you know like the meditation beautiful places not just cities yeah know. but but china ho, ho, ho. 
I've, I've traveled everywhere, but China is where I've seen the greatest things like the terracotta warriors, the great wall of China, the forbidden city. I mean, the things there are just like just mind blowing. So is that a must hit while I'm over there? I, I would hit China up. It's a yeah. trip though. Like You mean just like a long journey or? No, like people, people push normal. Like, so you going on a bus or a train and the woman will, a push that makes you think something bad's happening so you go hey and then it's like this teeny little woman and she's still <laughs> pushing you i and hate that like, shit i don't know what to do about this <laughs> yeah what do you what do you do you, you, you just kind of let her go you, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. damn the older children usually go i'm sorry she doesn't know she doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> jeez man all right well i don't want to keep you i really appreciate your time david you're the you're the man big oh. fan here um it's great it's great time yeah, you're a real cool guy to talk to too. Like you're very, like, I don't know, good conversation. You know, um, uh, it's my mother. No, <laughs> oh, love yeah. that. Now, is there anything we can plug? Like maybe future of Big D or any other projects you got going on? Yeah. Big D's gonna have a new record coming out this fall. It's outstanding, and I think people are gonna really love it. It's it's I'm crazy excited about it. Um, Sick. And uh, the Dope Dope Dollies is gonna have a new single around the same time which is an incredible song i love it so much <laughs> and then um and then cuidado uh i think it's going to do a split with uh, a chinese band coming out um so be on the lookout for that sick man all right david you're a legend this has been an honor Alex, it, i'll see you soon we'll have to hang out in person i'm down man all right Take care. thanks Bye. Let's wrap this one up, baby. Come on. How awesome is David McQueen? That guy fucking rules. What a legend. You know, I could talk to him all day and just, you know, dig deep into the mysteries of life, the philosophies of life, man. You know, oh, it was just like a, you know, sometimes you have a conversation with someone and this is no bullshit. You know, sometimes you have a conversation with someone and it like changes the way you think for a minute, you know. Uh, in a good way just like when someone says a lot of things that really um just make you think differently or point put things in a different light that you never thought he's just a smart dude i think is what i'm trying to say and i am not the the sharpest crayon in the box okay so <laughs> it was cool talking to him and an honor because he's you know a legend in the music scene listen to his music and uh, speaking of that, you, well, you're going to have to now because I'm going to play some for you. But before I do that, I got to say, if you like what you hear, do me a huge favor. Hit that subscribe button and uh, hit me with five stars and, and write me a review. All those things are super helpful. If you're new to the two-week notice podcast, thank you so much for checking it out. I do giveaways and shit too. So like, um, you know, I got, I got a lot of vinyl from the musicians that I've had on the show. I give some of that away it's for my personal collection. You know, I just, I'm trying to get rid of shit. I have too much shit, you know, but anyway, so point is if you subscribe to the show, there's a lot going on and uh, a lot of great conversations. So that's that two week knows podcast until next week. 
I got another good one for you. I love you all. Peace. Okay, I'll answer for real. If I found myself stranded on an island with six million girls, well, I'd put them all to work. We'd build a kick-ass sailboat to get me back to you. See, I'm not fucking around. I just love how you come up with these. You're saying if I was drunk and away on tour, and if we got in a ooh big fight, and then some Lucy twit started flirting with me. Well, even drunk and bummed out, I'd say you best move on, girl. I'm messing around. No. When the sun comes up, you see I won't be fucking around Never be fucking around